Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for On Patrol with the PPD, airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Today is Friday, January 28th, 2022. My name is Mike Wynn. I am one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this allegedly weekly radio program. I'm joined in studio this morning by recently promoted interim Captain Gary Traversa. Good morning, Captain. Good morning, Chief. Good morning, everybody. And also newly promoted interim lieutenant, Lieutenant Matt Hill, who's a first-time guest on the show. Good morning, Lieutenant. Good morning, Chief. Good morning, people of Pittsfield. You're going to need to get a little bit closer to that mic, Matt. Um, let's start with a check of the weather, then we'll talk about some news items, and then we'll get into the program. WTBR forecast from BerkshireWeather.com for Friday, January 28th. Greetings! Today, cloudy, a high of 28 with isolated snow showers or snow flurries. Tonight, cloudy, a low of 8 with snow late. Tomorrow, cloudy and windy, a high of 12 with snow all day. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more weather forecasts and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Jacob Klein for WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone! I don't know what it is, but listening to Jacob read his forecast is, is becoming like the highlight of my week. It just makes me smile. It's it, he's very cheerful. But very I was, cheerful. I was waiting for uh, an accumulation total. Yeah, well... <laughs> I had the morning news cycle on this morning, and they showed um, the American model, which showed us west of the outer edge basically getting flurries while the uh, eastern part of the state was getting battered. And then they switched to the European model, which basically showed all of New England getting battered. So I don't think anybody actually knows. <laughs> yeah. um, this is, it's a fast-moving one, and it's developing quickly. It's really going to depend on where it tracks. So stand by. Yep. It, you know, it's, I was thinking about this. So I have um, adopted family down in the Carolinas, and they really got hit with that last one. And they're just not prepared for it, right? I mean, if we get a foot of snow, that's a weather event up here. But, you know, other than maybe school cancellation, everything else is going to continue. Right. If they get a foot of snow, they're out of business. They just don't know yeah. how to function. They yeah. don't have the equipment. Right. So... All right. Are they like other southern cities? They put them on the garbage trucks or something? Whatever they got, right? Yeah. They're they're clearing streets with back you know backhoes and loaders. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about some news items from the Berkshire Eagle this morning. Uh, top of the first page. I think this is probably the most important news for all of us. Uh, the the COVID case counts in the Commonwealth are declining. Um, it's you know kind of past that that. Omicron surge, and not only the case counts declining, it looks like hospitalizations are declining, um, which is good news for our sisters and brothers, and the, you know the the hospital services, the actual frontline medical providers, because they've just been getting inundated. Um, there's just no breathing space for them. So hopefully these numbers stay this way, and this trend will continue, and um, you know we can we can look forward to less mask use and more interactions and stuff like that. We already talked about the pending snowstorm. Um, keep your eye on that one. You know, if if it does uh, turn inland, just be smart. Don't travel if you don't have to travel. Check on your neighbors. It shouldn't we all know this stuff? But if you're new to the area, ask a local. Don't panic. Ask a local. Get your groceries today. Get your- <laughs> Don't panic buy, right? We'll have the streets clear in a couple, you know, in a day or two. You don't have to buy like for two weeks. Yeah, just for the weekend. Yeah, don't hoard. Yeah. All right. In uh, law enforcement related news, um, there. This is also you know reported in the Berkshire Eagle, but it was it was trending in the news yesterday. Uh, the Berkshire Arts and Technology Charter School in North Ad- or in Adams had a uh, unspecified threat directed against the school 
caused them to go into shelter in place for a couple hours. Adams PD and the state police had to, you know, basically go through the building. It's been determined to be an uh, unsubstantiated threat, um, but the interesting part about it, they didn't, they didn't release the content, of the specific content of the threat. We wouldn't do that either, uh, but the mechanism the threat was received was weird. It came via airdrop. You know, somebody basically just um, in close proximity to a student's phone airdropped, uh, I would guess, an image containing the threat, and the student accepted it and saw it and showed it to a teacher, and that triggered it. Uh, whenever I see, so I didn't do it yesterday because I was kind of in the middle of something, but you know, a lot of times when I see something like this elsewhere in the county, I'll either walk out and find a group of the senior commanders or I'll send out a quick message saying, you know, Adams is dealing with this because the minute the story breaks, we kind of have to prepare for copycats. And, uh, I was at home this morning getting ready to, um, you know, finishing the newspaper and finishing my coffee. And my wife took a call from a colleague of hers, and Smith College is in lockdown right now for an unspecified threat. I don't know that they're related, but it almost always happens that way. It almost always happens that way. Um, somebody sees something online, they're like, oh, I could do that. I don't understand it. Uh, you know, threats of violence against a school are not funny. They, they are a significant interruption. They cause a lot of... Uh, wasted resources it's just you know whatever it's like swatting it's just it's annoying and it's been at least twice this year in the county that yeah you know it again it was uh i think a residual effect from um yeah or, or, or collateral damage anyway from some nationwide stuff right yeah and, and we were watching those come in um all right so last news item and i'm gonna I'm going to stay on task and I'm going to keep this succinct because I can feel um, one of my rants coming on. and I don't want to do that today. Um, Last year, 2021, was the most violent year on record for felonious assaults directed at police officers um, since records started being kept. And that's significant if you've ever attended one of our Police Week Memorial events. You've heard me say that starting in about 2010, we really believed that we could get that number of officers killed in the line of duty down below 100. We actually started a campaign called Below 100, and we knew that with improvements in officer safety technology and officer safety equipment um, and tactics and strategy and education, we could drive that number down. And from about 2010 to about 2016, we were driving that number down. We came within a couple of getting it below 100 for the first time in recorded history. And then in 2016, the number started trending back up. And unfortunately, last year was the highest it's ever been. And this year, it's off to a horrible start. Five New York City police officers have been shot since the beginning of the year. Um two have died one of the funerals was yesterday another will be next week um minnesota three police officers shot uh houston last night three police officers shot um it's it's unacceptable and i'm just gonna say it it's not an accident it's not it's not an accident um you know we've had some difficult years in this country in the last couple of years i accept that and law enforcement has to accept responsibility for some of the things we need to do differently. And we're doing that. And we'll talk about police reform at the end of the show. But these attacks are a direct result of the rhetoric that has been allowed to take root and fester for the last five years. Um, and some people, particularly some elected officials who have engaged in that rhetoric, you're responsible for this and you need to walk it back. Enough is enough. Right. Those two officers in New York, um, they joined the NYPD specifically with the intent of practicing community engagement and getting out there and establishing a connection with the communities of color that they grew up in. And they were murdered in the line of duty because the assailant didn't like his mother's food choices. It's got to stop. Thus ended the rant. Sorry. No, it's uh, well said, Chief. It, it's uh, a problem. 
Yeah. You know? All right. So let's get back to something more positive and upbeat. Big changes going down in the PPD. <laughs> Lots going on. Uh, so our, our guest in studio this morning is Lieutenant Matthew Hill. Matt is a long-serving member of the police department. Uh, and as we were saying before we got on the air, he has been managing to duck this program since we started it a couple years ago. But he uh, accepted, requested and accepted a transfer into operational support. And the show lives in operational support, so we can't escape it anymore. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> How are you this morning? Not bad, except for having to be on the air. Except for having <laughs> to be on the air. Well, you know, you'll get used to it. Um, I'm happy to have you here because you, you know, we talked about this a little bit when we were um, trying to figure out what's going to happen with the promotions. You are probably one of the uh, the officers in the police department that, in my, you know, my observation, my opinion of you, has done the best job I've seen of managing to maintain a uh, life work balance. Um, you know, we've talked in the past about Dr. Kevin Gilmartin and his book and, um, you know, emotional survival for law enforcement and the cycle of hypervigilance and what Dr. Gilmartin refers to as the IUSTAs. And the IUSTAs are those things that we enjoyed doing, you know, before we became a police officer or shortly after we became a police officer, that as we got more and more involved in the career and the profession, they fell by the wayside, those, those hobbies or those activities. I've got a list of them. Um, but up until you started having kids, you didn't have, yeah, I used to, I think maybe I used to skateboard. But other than that, everything you were kind of into, you just kept doing. Pretty much. It's pretty admirable. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fairly rare. So let's go back just a little bit. Um, we don't, we usually do this with our new hires. But since you haven't been on the show before, tell our viewers and listeners just a little bit about Matt. You know, where you're from, where you grew up, how you got to the PPD. Well, I'm a lifelong resident of Pittsfield, and in the past 20 years, I've tried to make up for that by getting as far away from it as possible whenever I can. <laughs> he means that in the best way. He's a world traveler. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, uh, I had opportunities to move out, and I didn't seize them, you know, for better or worse. It's just life. And, uh, uh, you know, things have been pretty good. I've, I'm, I'm luckier than a lot of other people out there for being able to have um, some of the things, you know, decent car, nice place to live, <laughs> be able to eat and travel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're from Pittsfield. You grew up here. Yeah. Pittsfield High School. Yep. And we, you know, I, I already mentioned skateboarding. Like, did you play traditional sports in high school or were you kind of like an unconventional kid? <sighs> When I was in high school, I was interested in some sports, and it seemed things weren't well publicized when tryouts were for this or that. Um, so I missed my mark on that. And I just kind of, uh, I wasn't really thrilled with school when I was in high school. It wasn't until after I got out of there and went to college and started having teachers that connected with me and subjects interesting, me, interesting. Um, you know, and things then I regret that I didn't <laughs> jump on things in high school because there was a lot of making up to do. So, um, growing up in Pittsfield, I, I already alluded to this, you were kind of a skater kid. Uh, I more of a metal kid, more of a metal kid, kind of yeah. you know, dabbling on the straight edge fringe there. I couldn't skate, yeah. <laughs> I only know this because Matt used to hang out with my younger brother who was a skater punk rock kid, um, and martial arts, right? Practically lifelong martial artist. Uh, yeah, since I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, so what would you do after high school? Uh, I bopped around Pittsfield for a few years. I uh, didn't know what I wanted to do. Took the civil service exam kind of as a, for police officer, kind of as a, eh, let's see what happens. And uh, was going to move to Arizona. Friends of mine were moving down there. And then I got the call uh, for this job. And then since I started this job, I've, I've gone to UMass in Amherst and uh, Got my degree through Boston University as well. So you did your undergraduate while you were on the job and then your graduate? Yes. Okay. So did you have any college when you got hired by the police department? Oh, I, I was a BCC graduate. Okay. Criminal justice? Criminal justice, yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, remind me again what class you were in at the academy, which 
which uh, the twenty second, which was nineteen ninety four. So, three, two years and three classes ahead of me. So you went through with the uh, Halleck and Vic Milani Psychics crew. Yes. I don't want to see any of our crew Browns out there this weekend drinking their little bourbons and branch water. <laughs> Sergeant Cox wants to have a little bourbon and branch water. That's a warm thing, but none of you recruit Browns better be out there drinking any bourbon and branch water, y'all here. I love Cy. He's amazing. Brought me dude. back. He's an amazing <laughs> dude. <laughs> um, so, who'd you go to the academy with? Oh, uh, John Gray, Mike Madalena. Jim Racabruna, um, Mike Winston, and um, Mike Grady. I asked that question for for a reason, because that class in particular, um, I mean, all, all of our all of our classes from the 90s have done very, very well. But that class in particular, every single member of that class um, either quickly moved into specialized service or quickly gained rank. Uh, and almost from the outset like you we were talking when we sat down to talk about the, uh, the promotions you're a sergeant for 17 years about 17 about 17 years. 17 long years so it, you know but you became a sergeant fairly quickly right uh maybe i think i had maybe 10 years yeah. on um but that that class everybody in the class uh, including you know our our former lieutenant mike winston just out of the gate was making moves and making changes in the department uh, really setting the tone for where we are now, because many of them, both of you know, you included Matt, are on the command staff or have highest highest ranks within the department, highest aspirations. So that class really changed kind of um, the way we looked at the profession. Right, it it kind of set the stage for aspirate. You know, nobody nobody from that class and subsequent classes was like, I want to be a patrol officer forever. It just didn't happen. Um, John and Mike, they were in uh, Special Operations Homeland Security within years of getting out of the academy. So, All right. So when you got out of the academy, I'm going to assume you went to Midnight's. For a short period of time. How'd that work out? How did you get off Midnight so quickly? I actually got booted. Uh, I was the low man on the totem pole, and I guess with staffing, people wanted to be on, somebody wanted to be on midnights. I had more seniority than me, and I ended up on evenings, and I loved it. Uh, do you remember what year you went to Eves? Well, if I came out of the academy in 94, uh, I think it was April of 95. Okay. Because uh, you, you were you were well-established on evenings when I got there, and I got to Eves in, I think, 97. Um, and... I like talking about that that period of transition in the department's history because it was a significant shift. Like I remember when I was a civilian working at the Resource Center and working with former officer uh, Jim Hunt, who's now Chief of Juvenile Probation, former officer uh, Detective Tommy Harrington, um, Tommy Barber. It, they would tell me what the culture of the department was and what to expect. And the expectation was you would get out of the academy, you would go to midnights, and you would stay on midnights for a long time until you either promoted off or you gained enough seniority to get off. And so that was the plan. That's what we were told to anticipate. And something shifted right around 95, 96, and a whole bunch of veteran officers decided to go back to school all at the same time. And because of the way their school was scheduled, they voluntarily chose midnights so that they would be able to work around their class schedules and keep up with their homework. And that forced a whole bunch of us rookies into places that we to were told we were never going to be, or in some cases we didn't want to be. So I was on midnights my first time for less than a year, and I joined you on evenings for about a year and a half. And with like three years out of the academy, I was on days. It was it, That just never happened. Um, and it was interesting from a career development point of view but it was also interesting from a community engagement point of view because the residents at that time, <clears throat> they weren't used to seeing young cops during the day or during the early evenings. They, they wanted the wizened old veterans. Um, it, it wasn't common, but it wasn't unheard of for us to take a call late on the evening shift uh, 
that one of our cruisers had been stolen by a kid. Like that happened a couple times. We'd get a call and they'd be like, there's a little kid driving a police car the west side. Like, no, that's Officer Winter. That's Officer Eason. It was bizarre. So, all right. So you got out of the academy. A little bit of time at Midnight's. You went to Eve's. Where'd you work? What beat assignments did you have on evenings? I got kind of moved around a lot. Got to know different neighborhoods in town. Um, I had a lot of good officers that I worked with and were very helpful and informative. And uh, we had a pretty tight bond. We were, had a lot of fun back in those days. Um, the supervisors were excellent. And, uh, you know, a lot of the once mystery of this city that I had when I was a kid living in one part of town, uh, the city kind of unfolded. And I got to see a lot of places that I wasn't privileged to before I became a police officer. So that was always interesting. I'm going to push back on you a little bit. Some of the sergeants on the evening shift were excellent. We had a couple dinosaurs there, too. We did. <laughs> so some people just did not want to accept that change was coming in the department. Um, so you, and did you stay on evenings until you promoted? No. At, I don't even remember what year. One year I went to days. And then that lifestyle just agreed with me, and I just stayed there. Uh, so did you did you promote the first time you took the promotional exam, or did you have to do it a couple times? No, the first time I took that exam, I didn't study. I just kind of, and it wasn't that cost prohibitive either. I just took it on a whim to see what it was like, and I failed it. But I had an idea, so when I took it the next time, um, I knew what to study for, where to keep my head at, and... Uh, yeah, then I excelled on that second chance. Okay. So when did you become, so we said it was about 17 years ago, right? So we're looking early early 2000s you promoted. I think it might have been 2004, okay. maybe. And you stayed on days. You went right to days. I did. And you kind of lived there ever since. <laughs> yeah. So 17 years on the same shift in the same assignment. I don't know that there's anybody else in the department that can say that. But that's a long run. It was long, and so, it was time for a change. Particularly on the day shift, because people just... Day shift sergeant, that may have been one of the worst jobs I ever had. Because the foot traffic in and around the station is incessant. You're liaising with the courts all the time. Not that there's anything against our colleagues in the court. It's just a, a completely different workflow. The time constraints on things that have to happen. Like, when the courts are closed... You can take as much time as you need to have your officers finish a report, get somebody ready for charging. When the courts are open, you got to get them over there. Uh, they go to lunch. You're stuck with them until they come back from lunch. Lunch starts at 11 and ends at 2. <laughs> it's not for everybody. That's how they rotate them. But, uh, yeah, day shift sergeant is tough. When I was uh, a day shift sergeant, uh, Officer Hunt was... Uh the desk officer, he's, he's at now on midnights as the desk officer, but he used to stop me in the middle of the afternoon and be like, hey, hey you didn't eat lunch yet. <laughs> you need you, somebody you gotta, like that, you, right? You, you got to eat lunch because <laughs> it was so busy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, I don't think that is appreciated or um, understood by the vast majority of people who seek out police services in the PD headquarters during the day. It's just nonstop. It's incessant. Um, so I want to pivot real quick for a couple minutes because in addition to your career within the department, you've kind of had this parallel role for nearly the entire time you've been with the department and the entire time you've been um, a supervisor. You're very active in union business. Yes. Um, I, I can say from the chief's office that, you know, unlike sometimes in the past, I've had a very productive and healthy relationship with most union leadership uh, during my tenure as the chief. That, that wasn't necessarily the case uh, for previous administration. Um, I don't actually see you as much as I see the 447 president. <laughs> it's, it's fairly rare, but when, when, it's a when it becomes necessary, it's significant. So. Yeah, and I'm rather persistent when there is an issue. Yeah. And... Uh, I like to think that I'm right in a lot of those cases. We managed to work through most of them. Um, so how did you get involved in the unions? Uh, I just kind of fell into it. Uh, some of my friends in the department were union leaders. And uh, I, have, I, I have this 
moral. Uh, you know, I like to make sure that things are done right and uh, that people aren't taken advantage of or, uh, you know, um, man, I hate being on radio. <laughs> uh, we have the contracts. The contracts exist for a reason. We have to adhere to the contracts. And it's not always easy. Right? The needs of the department sometimes necessitate quick adaptations and quick changes. Um, when it's necessary and it's essential, then people got to adjust to the flow. But when it's kind of, you know, convenient, there needs to be some pushback. There needs to be a mechanism for some pushback. I think I could say that the the, the moment that I actually became very involved in the union was uh, there was a contract that I was less than thrilled with that went through. And Is uh, that the one when we lost the education incentives? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we were all less than thrilled with that. <laughs> and uh, I felt that we got, we didn't really get a fair hand on that one. And um, I, I was determined that uh, that something like that wasn't going to happen again. That was a big deal. That that was a significantly negative impact on the officers who were left behind after the dust settled. Um, it and and we never fully recovered. We've made some partial gains back from that, but um, you know, for what we expect of our incoming officers, particularly with education attainment, that was a that was a nightmare. It was a travesty. Um, so, yeah, with the. I can see why you would have decided to get into the union leadership as a result of that decision. Um, there was not a whole lot of fraternal consideration by the group that agreed to that. Um, so if if my calendar was correct, you just had ground rules session yesterday afternoon, right? Yes. How'd that go? Fine. That's, uh, that's expected every time we begin. Yeah. So we... We are about to enter contract negotiations with both of our police officer unions. It is always respectful, and it is always productive, but it is never easy, and it is never fun. (laughs) I've been allowed to participate in the last two, I think. The last one, that, that was actually comparatively easy we kind of got through that after you know exchanging um our list of requests and 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 demands back and forth it was basically negotiated and and agreed to in short order i mean there's a bunch of sessions but it, it wasn't that contentious the first time i had to do it as a chief i think it was in 2008 or 2009 i got kicked off the bargaining team like the the labor attorney for the city and the mayor called me across the street and they said you're done you're not coming to any more sessions um i think i was too pro-police at the time not that i'm not pro-police now but i wasn't representing the interests of the management team so i was removed oh well all right so we've been at this for not quite 30 minutes and we've learned a lot about you um we're going to come back and we're going to talk about what recently happened for you. But in the couple minutes we have left, you, uh, so I said, you know, you, you stayed very active in all of your hobbies and interests until you started your family, where you kind of, that, that changed a little bit. But you have two beautiful children, right? Two, yeah. two now? Yes. Yep. Um, everybody's happy and healthy. We're all good. That's yeah, awesome. just every day has its challenges. I just I turned to look at you and I was like, I completely forgot to mention this. So we talked about your, you know, kind of your athletic and musical interests and pursuits, uh, and we talked about some of the stuff that you uh, engaged in out out of school and out of work, and your travel. But I completely forgot you're also a musician, <laughs> uh, amateur musician. I I would call it. What particular drum did you play with Berkshire Bateria? Uh, I played a, it's, it's, uh, the Brazilian word is called surdo. Um, it looks like a giant bass drum uh, that's held sideways on your waist. So I haven't seen Berkshire Bateria perform, definitely in the last two years, because with COVID, there hasn't been anywhere really to go. 
but they were very popular during like our third Thursday festivals when we first kind of started third Thursday and then they you know the geographic focus shifted a little bit south but I would always chuckle when I would be traveling somewhere particularly like down in Lee or Great Barrington on time off to go to some event like Lee Founders Day or you know some of the cultural stuff down in South County and I would turn and look and there would be Sergeant Hill in his colorful Brazilian regalia banging on a drum on the stage <laughs> it was always good for a chuckle alright it's 930 we are at the midpoint of this morning show thanks for tuning in we're going to get another check of the weather some PSAs, and then we'll come back and we'll continue to talk about changes in the PPD and what's going to happen in the next couple of months. Here is your WTBR forecast from BerkshireWeather.com for Friday, January 28th. Greetings! Today... Cloudy, a high of 28 with isolated snow showers or snow flurries. Tonight, cloudy, a low of 8 with snow late. Tomorrow, cloudy and windy, a high of 12 with snow all day. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more weather forecasts and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Jacob Klein for WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone! This is Chief Mike Wynn of the Pittsfield Police Department. And this is Sergeant Cheryl Callahan. The Pittsfield Police Department is encouraging anyone interested in becoming a Pittsfield Police Officer to register for the 2022 Municipal Police Officer Exam. As a civil service department, this is the first step required to join our team. We are seeking motivated, eligible women and men who desire a rewarding and adventure-filled career serving the residents of Pittsfield. Detailed application information is available on the web at mass.gov backslash civil service. The application deadline is January 18th with the late registration window open until February 1st. Exam fees are $100 through January 18th and then $150 if registering during the late window. Candidates who pass the exam are placed on the eligible list and ranked by score. The Pittsfield Police Department will use that list to fill numerous vacant positions in 2022 and 2023. This message has been brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department and WTBR. Have you been thinking about volunteering in your community? We're glad to hear it. Berkshire United Way and nonprofit Center of the Berkshires are teaming up to present a virtual volunteer fair on Friday, November 12th, from noon to 3 p.m. You're invited to find out more about how to get involved, make new friends, find purpose, and give back. Visit npcberkshires.org to register today. It's free and safe. That's npcberkshires.org. Pittsville residents, have you heard about Code Red? It's the city's emergency alert program, and it keeps you informed on the latest updates and notifications, including but not limited to weather-related emergencies, road closures, and water main breaks. So stay connected and be informed. Text Pittsville to 99411 to enroll or visit cityofpittsfield.org to sign up. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair. BeFair is one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people we support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. Good morning. Welcome back. Thank you once again for tuning in to this new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television, and as I often forget to mention, available on all of your podca popular podcast platforms. Just search On Patrol with the PPD. Uh, subscribe and like, and you can follow us there. So we're in studio this morning with Lieutenant Matt Hill, uh, recently promoted to join the command staff and working the board is recently promoted Captain Gary Traversa. Uh, and as I was coming out here this morning, I was thinking about, you know, what we're going to talk about and the recent moves within the department. Look, you know, look at some of the stories that um, 
have aired in the last couple of weeks since particularly since the last police advisory review board like it, people just don't I, I don't know what it is it's it's not just our residents but people just don't understand rank structure like they if they've never been in uniform whether it's in the military or in a paramilitary organization they just don't get it so for example yesterday yesterday wednesday i had to send an email um and it it was a it was a bluntly worded terse email to a community partner because the night before i found out and i'm not going to get into details but i found out that this community partner that we do a lot of work with and we do a lot of correspondence with um they weren't happy with the response they had gotten from a member of some of our sworn support staff about the timing of an internal process, in this case, our crime reporting process. And so of their own volition, with no conversation, they just decided to refer a researcher to a member of our department who, who doesn't work on this program. Like they're, they're involved in our internal process for crime reporting, but they're not involved in the program that we were communicating about. And so they just, you know, told this research, yeah, contact this guy, he'll do it for you. Like, what the heck is that? Right? You don't get to task our people, and this guy doesn't work on your program. So you don't you shouldn't even be communicating with him, let alone referring somebody else to him. And so I had to send this email, you know, the Pittsfield Police Department is a paramilitary organization with a strict rank structure and chain of command. They weren't happy. <laughs> they weren't happy with my email, but can't have operational commanders getting blindsided and interrupted with these weird administrative requests with no warning right they've got an operational job to do and then i realized well they don't they just don't know right so yeah that crops up every once in a while yeah and yeah so the other thing i think we talked about this in the last episode of the one that i was on before that is that despite the fact that we are a small city and we're a city police department we have a bunch of residents that think we're Mayberry. And it's, so this just happened again. Like somebody showed up in the lobby and they're like, I'm here to see the chief. And so the desk officer's like, do you have an appointment? And they're like, no, I just want to see the chief. And like, well, the chief's not available, right? We're, I'm doing pre-employment interviews for police officers. We're trying to fill three admin vacancies. My, my day was blocked out. And so my, you know, the officer calls up to my admin and my admin's like, no, he's not available. He's in meetings or in post-commission meetings this week. And uh, so the officer tells the person, I'm sorry, you have to make an appointment. I can take your name and they can call you or you can call the office and make an appointment. And the person was like, what do you mean? I can't just see the chief? Like, this is not Mayberry. I'm not Andy Griffith. I'm not just sitting there, right? You know, I'm like, okay. And so the other thing that comes up, this didn't happen this week, but it happened recently, is people... They don't, they don't understand the rank structure. They don't understand the chain of command. And they also don't understand that I, as the chief of police in the city of Pittsfield, I don't supervise patrol officers. Like, ultimately, I'm responsible for I'm in command of patrol officers, but I don't supervise them, right? And so I get this, this email, and they're like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sure you know, blah, blah, blah. And the officer, I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It was, a, it was important for that, that resident. I'm not, I'm not downplaying that. But it wasn't significant enough that it would have come to the attention of the chief of police. It probably wasn't significant enough that it had come, gotten to the attention of a captain. This was first line supervisor, sergeant stuff, shift commander stuff. It was done and it was done correctly, but there was no reason that I would know about that. So when we do um, community meetings or we do like the community academy and we do the rank structure, so I'm just gonna, we'll, we'll lay this out fairly quickly. So yes, I am, you know, the. Pittsfield Police Department Chief of Police. I oversee the entire police department. Ultimately, I have authority over everything we do, and ultimately, I'm responsible for everything we do. But I do not supervise police officers. I supervise, well, normally, three captains and uh, one direct report division manager and my admin. Right, so that's that's my span of control. Right now, in the transition, that captain's team is is increased because we're doing the the turnover. But on the administrative side, um, my our director of admin finance they supervise a team of two, and the ops team, the three uh, the three captains, they each have various spans of control. So, uh, in operations support, the OSD commander or commanders right now 
they supervise the cops bureau lieutenant right now lieutenants um and and that's a smooth tra- you know that's the transition in investigations the investigative captain the detective bureau captain he oversees two lieutenants and one sergeant who are his direct reports and in patrol the patrol commander oversees three lieutenants who are his in this case his direct reports and then depending on where it you know in the, the where in the divisions it is so we use patrol for an example each of those lieutenants the three shift commanders they directly oversee three sergeants those sergeants are the first line supervisors on their shift on the day shift and the evening shift there's two um we'll call them supernumerary sergeants they work split shift and they kind of fill in so they actually they actually have three and a half sergeants and then those sergeants are are the direct supervisors for the patrol officers who are on the field similarly in the detective bureau the detective lieutenants and the drug unit sergeants they are the direct supervisors for the investigators and so that's that's kind of the organizational hierarchy and each of the spans of controls at each of those levels we're sharing that because of what is happening in the department right now so despite some of the tone and some of the reporting that's been out there this isn't an upheaval this there's there's no like you know major personnel shift this was simply trying to get ahead of some pre-planned departures that were going to have a significant impact on operations in a way to minimize any loss of operational capability to the residents right if we had just waited and the captains left we were going to be rushing to try to stay ahead of the changes and that that would have been bad for everybody so with the permission of the the mayor and the the personnel director hr director we just decided to try to get ahead of this and the way that our department culturally historically is we do our annual shift change in the second week of january so command staff came up with a plan to do these turnover promotions at the same time so there was it minimized the number of times we had significant personnel movement so what are we talking about so the detective commander the incumbent detective commander is scheduled to retire in the next several months that that date is on the calendar and that's going to happen the incumbent operational support division commander is also scheduled to retire uh the original date was on the other side of the detective captain's retirement date but due to some things that have happened um, more recently, that's now a floating date. And it could still occur as it was originally scheduled. But depending on what happens with the retirement board, it actually could occur anytime between now and the original date. So that, that became a moving target. When that became a moving target, that's when it became very obvious that we had to change the plan and not um, stagger these promotions it, it it wasn't predictable anymore so what did we do we have current promotional lists and so we went to the promotional lists and um previously lieutenant traversa who was in operational support already as the cops bureau commander uh he's been temporarily promoted and he's the interim osd commander you're essentially shadowing and uh affecting a turnover with captain grady right that meant that your job the cops bureau commander was in fact going to be vacant so sergeant hill in patrol on the lieutenant's list temporarily promoted interim cops bureau commander is effectively shadowing you and conducting a turnover with you right two things at once two things at once at the same time captain trapani the incumbent detective commander is scheduled to retire we needed to make a move there. So day shift Lieutenant Tom Dolly, off the captain's list, moved upstairs as the interim temporary captain, interim detective bureau commander, shadowing and affecting a turnover with Captain Trapani, which meant somebody needed a backfill for Lieutenant Dolly. And so Sergeant John Mazio, uh, midnight shift patrol, but also collaterally assigned to the background investigation unit, promoted to temporary lieutenant, shifted into the interim day shift commander that's a whole lot of moves at the same time all the patrol officers are shifting to their shift bit of choice for the year and so um 
given all of that and all the the balls that were in the air at the same time, the second decision that was part of that was we were going to pause before we backfilled the two sergeants. Because we have the supernumerary sergeants, we had a little more capacity there than we did elsewhere to absorb more personnel hits. And as we say frequently on this show, our personnel numbers are not ideal right now, so we couldn't we couldn't take any more from patrol. It, it just wasn't tenable right now. We've got some officers in the academy. When they get out, we get a little more breathing space. We can look at staggering and rolling those backfilled sergeant's promotions in, which we fully intend to do. That's a long explanation for what essentially was a very quick process. It's, um, it, it's, I think it's greatly appreciated <laughs> by the command staff, <laughs> Chief, that, it, you know, that, that we're doing it this way. It would have been a disaster if we hadn't done it this way. I, I can't imagine, you know, having to uh, jump into, you know, Captain Grady's position and at the same time bring, you know, Lieutenant Hill up to speed on what I do. I, you know, Captain Grady and I, we work together, but we also do a lot of things kind of independently of each other. And, I, you know, there are things that he does that I I need some time with him to pick up. And, you know, it, it would have been difficult. And I'm sure on the detective side, it was the same same thing, you know. It, I alluded to this last week, and I, this is... This is going to sound bad, and it's not. It's it's just new. So I, I quite literally was more worried about the Operational Support Division and the Cops Bureau than I was about the Detective Bureau. Not because of any difference in capability or skill for the personnel involved, but the Detective, I mean, the detective Bureau has been around since the police department was established. They've got long-standing policies and procedures and practices. They've got lots of written go-bys. Operational Support... The whole concept is less than three years old. Right? We're building it. Um, there aren't really good policies to go by. We're establishing them as we go. The written directives are being written in real time. There weren't any go-bys. We built that division and the Cops Bureau from the ground up based, you know, essentially in reaction to some of the things that have been changed in our, in our forward-facing mission. We just couldn't keep doing it without any organization. So I was more worried about that. Um, but we're in a good place to do this transition. So you transitioned upstairs, Lieutenant. Yes. And then unfortunately, we take a little bit of time off. We'll talk about that before we get to the end when we talk about the pilot project. Um, and you transitioned upstairs again, you know, in the time where everybody is still coming to work. So we haven't even found you in office yet. You're just kind of cooling your jets and holding some space in the patrol conference room <laughs> i've been noticing you walking up and down the hallway with this very large binder that you're working on what is this project oh i'm just updating uh some contacts that are necessary for pretty much everybody in the department that um, are very half of the book is very outdated all right um so you you, you, I, I told you when you when we had our meeting, you kind of surprised me. I, I did not anticipate that you were going to be looking to leave patrol. So you're out of patrol. You're coming to work in civilian clothes for the first time in your life. How's it going? It feels nice. <laughs> it's a, it's a, a nice relief for me, for my family. Change of pace. Big change of pace uh, after what? after. 27 years of patrol work. Well, one one of the things that, again, if you're outside of the department, you've never worked, you know, with us or been a family member of us that I don't think people understand, is that patrol, and we, you know, we don't talk about this, patrol works a rotating schedule, a four-day on, two-day off schedule. Uh, and that's everybody in patrol, shift supervisors, shift commanders included. And so if you work patrol, your days off change every week. Uh, they rotate backward one day. Uh, and you can plan your life around it and it gets, you kind of get used to it, but it's difficult because you only get a weekend off basically every six weeks, True. You get partial weekend off every four weeks. Um, that's completely different than the administrative, uh, division and the detective bureau who work a, a normal, a normal five day work week, uh, generally a Monday through Friday work week. Some people elect to work Tuesday through Saturday. Um, 
but it's a big change when you go to the four and two to the admin week. You, you weekends off, and of course you're on call, but um, it, your life gets a lot more normal and predictable. You haven't been up there long enough to appreciate the full weight of that, I don't think. <laughs> so why, I mean, other than the obvious to changes in schedule and stuff like that, why did you want to, uh, why did you want to get out of patrol? Why did you want to seek uh, a different assignment? After all those years of doing it, uh, I decided it was just time for a change. Uh, my brain needed the change. My spirit needed the change. And, uh, I'd, I'd like the ability to focus a little bit more. As um, patrol, my brain has to be in eight different places at once, sometimes 12. You never know what's coming. You never know what's coming. Um, so how's it going so far? So far, it, it, it just feels like life has slowed down, and I like that. We had, we had another conversation. Um, this, let's say this without appearing to be overly critical it's not it's not intended as a criticism i actually admire it one of the conversations we had um when you made the pitch to for a change of assignment and you agreed you know to take the promotion is and to tell you you were going to be issued a government phone and you had to carry the government phone <laughs> you prior to this you were somebody who when you were off you were very you very much guarded your off-duty time it's, um, to some extent, uh, when it comes to union stuff, um, if there was an emergency that had occurred, uh, my my union members know that they could call me up at, at any time. Absolutely, but but as far as just like operational demands, you're like, hey, if I'm working, I'm working, and if I'm not, leave me alone. And it's like, yeah, we're gonna issue the phone. You gotta carry the phone. That's a huge change. I took a call. It's Friday, right? I took a call Wednesday. Uh, from the administrative assistant to the post commission. And they were like, do you want a Commonwealth phone? I'm like, absolutely not. I'm already carrying two phones. <laughs> I can't possibly do it. When we did the first net test and I had to carry three phones for two weeks, forget that. It's insane. I, I, yeah, I, I never, I shouldn't say I never used it. I used it once or twice just to kind of get a, a lay for, you know, what we were trying to test the capability and, 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 whether it had better reception or not, but it all I got was spam. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, they, I mean, they weren't they weren't pristine numbers. They recycled those numbers, right? We were getting somebody else's phone calls. Yeah. So, all right. So, Lieutenant Hill, what are you looking to looking forward to the most in your new assignment? Uh, to work on some projects, to be able to focus in on certain tasks and get things done, uh, and have a to do list that doesn't change by the minute <laughs> oh you are going to be sadly disappointed <laughs> in operational support I'm, i don't it's not going to be worse than patrol but it's not going to get much better no, they, that's fine they, they change it just changes differently because uh, we never know what ops we operational support never knows what operations is going to need right it, that's that's kind of one of the reasons we had to create operational support all right we've got a few minutes left Captain, do you have anything you want to add or any questions for the lieutenant? Uh, no, not relating to the uh, you know this current discussion, but I do want to touch on the test one last time. Why don't you do that you first do that so we don't run out of time? Um, the civil service test, and we have you know been pretty vocal about it on the show here the last few weeks. Um, you know, especially after uh, you know the the start of the new year, but. Um, the civil service test is scheduled for March, uh, you know, as the PSA says, as a civil service department, the first step in our process, our hiring process, is um, for candidates to take that test. Um, we are, or the state is offering a test this year, and while the original initial deadline has passed, uh, there, we are now in the late window um, so it's this weekend, right? Candidates have up until Tuesday. I think it's the first okay. uh, to sign up for the civil service test. There's information on our website, uh, pittsfieldpd.org. Uh, you can go to the state's website, mass.gov backslash civil service uh, to actually sign up. Um, we have posted on our website an information session that was recorded 
a couple of weeks ago that we did in um, in cooperation with Mass Hire. We thank them for their help. Uh, Melanie Herzig out of that office was um, more than uh, accommodating in, in getting us that last minute um, event going. So, uh, and any questions uh, can be directed at uh, to myself or um, Lieutenant Mazio. Lieutenant Mazio is on the day shift now, so uh, he can be reached at 448 um, I think he's extension 577 without um, looking it up. Um, but if you don't have luck with him, reach out to me, extension 606, same number. Um, with any questions about that test, we'd be happy to help you. It's, uh, you know, as we've talked about, our hiring is a, uh, you know, fairly recent challenge uh, within the last five years. And we, uh, you know, are encouraging anybody that is interested or has thought of maybe exploring uh, law enforcement as a career or knows somebody, maybe a family member that is interested to uh, encourage them to uh, sign up for the test. Awesome. All right. Be part of the change you want to see. Take that test. Do well. Get on the list. Come tell us why you would be a strong addition to the Pittsfield Police Department. Come work with us. All right. A couple minutes left. I'm going to pivot for the last time here back to lieutenant hill so lieutenant in addition to everything else we've already spoken about you uh despite the fact that you're you're nursing some bumps and bruises right now you are one of the incumbent participants in our pilot jujitsu for police program yes how's that going <laughs> well it's on hold for the moment we're about three months into it yeah we're about three months into it and uh my body knows i'm older and my brain does not so through <laughs> through the pilot uh jiu-jitsu program the law enforcement jiu-jitsu program you've been attending um weekly almost on a consistent basis weekly law enforcement specific jiu-jitsu classes you get to train jiu-jitsu uh a couple additional times as part of the pilot program you also doubled down on your karate past and have managed to pivot and attend some more karate classes yes um, just, you know, I've, I'm obviously biased and jaded. I've talked about the program on the air in the past, but I, you know, was invested in it and created it. You came on as a participant. Tell me what you think about the program so far. I enjoy it. Uh, I started, um, jujitsu years back. Um, but then I ended up going back into karate, which I'd taken a break from for many years. And I then drifted into karate and kind of left jujitsu by the wayside. And this program has uh, gotten me back interested in it and uh, participating once again. I'm the longest white belt in jiu-jitsu <laughs> history, I think. I, I don't know that that's necessarily true. I, I read a post on a jiu-jitsu group last night. I was a white belt for 16 years. His, his attendance and participation was much worse than mine when I was a blue belt. Um, so from a practical point of view, is do you, do you see a tangible benefit to yourself and the other officers who are participating from an officer safety point of view? Certainly. I think it's an excellent program um, and that I was happy to see come to fruition. Yeah. I just did the three-month uh, participants survey and the, the increase in general knowledge and the increase in confidence is markedly uh, visible. I'm really looking forward to reporting out on that. Um, but we got the... Um, the cost, the original startup cost for the program was reimbursed by our liability insurance carrier. So at this point, other than a little bit of equipment, it's actually been a, uh, a net zero for, for the department, which means I can double down. So I'm looking to expand the program, hopefully in the next budget cycle. We can't, we can't double it because the room's not big enough. Um, but I definitely think we can probably add another half dozen plus participants to that program and start to grow it. Uh, and I know... Um, I know Professor Mark and Professor Connie have some plans to expand the training space. So hopefully by the time they expand the training space, we'll be posed to say, hey, anybody in the department who wants to participate, we've got a, a spot for you. That's the future, I hope. All right, we're just about out of time. We are out of time. We have 40 seconds left. We didn't even get to the plans for the weekend. We'll have to hold off on that. 
You have been listening to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTVR 89.7 FM Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television, and available on all of your popular podcast platforms. I want to thank you for tuning in. Join us next week for another new episode. Uh, We don't know who's going to be with us yet, but we'll be back here in studio. And until then, I just want to ask you to be safe, stay healthy, but most importantly, be kind. We're 10-8. 9.7 WTBR-FM Pittsfield.